Following the death of Mwanawasa, it was undeniable that Rupia Banda had large shoes to fill. Having been groomed by Mwanawasa, perhaps he could do it. Welcome to episode 9 of Econ with Phantom. This week, we will be considering Rupia Banda's presidency. Was he underrated or was he indeed unprepared? I understand that the release of my episodes has been a bit haphazard. Quite frankly, like the inconsistency of the Zambian Kwacha these past few weeks. But nevertheless, I will be releasing an episode every last Thursday of the month. And I know it's Sunday. And depending on the mood, drop a few here and there. Haphazardly, of course. With a promise to unite the MMD party and the nation at large, and to continue implementing Mwanawasa's programs, Rupia Banda managed to garner enough support to take the mantle of the MMD presidency, getting the better of Nganduma Gande, 47 votes to 11 votes. Going into the 2008 August election, with the full support of the MMD party, Rupia Banda's main challenger, Michael Sato of the Patriotic Front, was in the lead. As votes from rural Zambia poured in, however, they spoke loudly, loudly for the idea of having a man groomed by the great Mwanawasa at the helm. Results on the 2nd of November showed Rupia Banda amassing 40% of the votes, with Michael Sata managing 38. The difference in votes was only 60,000. Following the result, Rupia Banda was sworn in two hours after the electoral officials announced him as the winner. The ceremony happened at State House where he was serving as the acting president of the Republic. Wanabwezani my results fast. In attendance were the presidents of South Africa, Kalema Mothante and Robert Mugabe of Zimbabwe. Where were these guys? Like, were they just chilling in the neighborhood? Were they like, we heard there's a swearing-in ceremony here. Do you mind if we show up? Understandably so, the patriotic party raised concerns of fraud and refused to recognize Rupia Banda as president. Because guys, two hours. Two hours is a little bit of time. Truthfully, in all of this is the undeniable mammoth task of filling Mwanawasa's shoes that this fresh president had. Could he carry the mantle entrusted to him by the 40% of the republic and the same time win the hearts of the 38%? Choosing to continue with the fifth national development plan implemented by Mwanawasa, Rupia Banda's approach was a carbon copy of the late president's. With a set goal of attaining 7% annual growth from the current 5% outlined in the National Development Plan, Rupia Banda and his administration ushered in policy to achieve this goal. At the time he assumed office, inflation was hovering at nearly 12%. This came off the back of recent events that happened in the country during that year, with Mwanawasa's death having a twofold increase on inflation in nearly three months. 
to achieve the goal of 7% annual growth, inflation would need to be tamed. Understandably, being a mentee of the prodigy, Mwanawasa's approach, passion and love for the poor and their well-being took precedent in Rupia Banda's tactics. Using pro-poor economic policy, Rupia Banda ensured that vital areas of the country that involved the poor were properly funded. Furthermore, ensuring a healthy domestic debt stock, borrowed money was key to achieving the desired goal. At the time he assumed office, Zambia's domestic debt as a percentage of GDP stood at 22.5%. It's safe to say, things were not horrible, but things were not majestic either. In 2009, his administration introduced the National Anti-Corruption Policy aimed at promoting transparency, accountability, integrity, and ethical conduct in public and private sectors. With a view to strengthening and enhancing the work of existing institutions like the Anti-Corruption Commission, the policy desired to foster a sense of confidence in the ability of the institutions and the government at large. Furthermore, the administration aims to improve governance and management of public affairs, properties and holding a service code of ethics to all civil servants. I guess some government officials didn't get the code of ethics pamphlet, especially in March. President Rupia Banda oversaw strategic diplomatic policies aimed at strengthening Zambia's international relations, particularly with the Southern African Development Community, otherwise known as SADC, with a focus on peace, security, and developmental issues. In addition to this, Banda boasted relations with major international players like China, promoting Zambia as a destination for trade and investment. He obviously just wanted the Akash and China or minerals, friends with benefits sort of setup, you know. However, RB's predecessor Mwanawasa was, was not as subtle, publicly criticizing Robert Mugabe, the Zimbabwean president at the time. He famously likened Zimbabwe to a sinking Titanic, prophetic statement if you like, further criticizing Mugabe's policy that derailed the country. Around this time, mind you, barely any African leader publicly criticized Mugabe and his policies. Bold from Wanawasa, I dare say. Adding the final nail to the coffin of the friendly relations with our sister country, Mwanawasa used his position as SADC chairman to criticize the Zimbabwean elections in 2008. It's safe to say there was beef and it was sufficient. Rupia Banda, however, approached matters differently and was subtle in his diplomacy and his wordplay. He focused on deepening economic ties and cooperation, calling for stronger relations between the two nations. Putting action to his words, Rupia Banda did a state visit to Zimbabwe in 2009, where he emphasized the importance of collaboration between the sister nations. The Nigerian uncle. In 2011, Saab Energy 
a Nigerian-based company, and the Zambian government came to a consensus, and Saab began supplying oil to the Zambian market. Oil is good. Oil is good for economic growth. It fuels vehicles, provides insurmountable value. The list is endless. Well, this was the desired theory, but the practical was different. From discrepancies in the amount of oil to the handling of the proceeds of the revenue. Oh my goodness, the list was endless. This was this was a S show. Initially intended to be a government-to-government deal, the deal raised significant amount of scrutiny and questions for the administration. A witness came forward and testified that Rubia Banda had facilitated the scrupulous deal which his son, Henry, would receive half a million dollars with the proceeds of oil going to a private account which Henry had authorized. This is definitely some wild stuff. This is like a sure moment. This unfortunate times eroded the public's trust in Rupia Banda, seen as just another power-hungry politician. Quite sad. In spite of all the challenges happening, Rupia Banda had a couple of wins under his belt. Having reduced inflation from 12% when he took office to 6.4%. Furthermore, Rupia Banda's administration achieved another win, reducing Zambia's domestic debt stock as a percentage of GDP from 22% to 17%, with overall GDP standing at a significantly high level of 10%, record levels only seen during the 70s when KK was president. The exchange rate as well was relatively stable. The government had a manageable physical deficit. Things were looking upward. The economy was growing. In all of this, the public's trust was still waning. They couldn't trust him after all the allegations that came out. I mean, nothing good comes from a Nigerian uncle. Rumors moving around, the allegations true or untrue, tainted the image of Rupia Banda's regime. From being seen as this provocative leader, this transparent icon, a leader that desires change, to being seen as a leader, a man after his own desires. It is undeniable the expectations on the man were immense. Considering who his predecessor was, the weight was significant. Unfortunately, the allegations came along and the public just couldn't trust him any longer. His integrity and his name tainted, for sure. The turn of events gave an incredible advantage to Sata to come in as this reformer, this transparent individual who will bring everything to light. And September of 2011, Sata won the presidency riding on a ticket of change and more money in your pocket. Oh, and... Yep, I absolutely just had to do it. Oh, and Henry. Henry fled the country following the defeat of his father. He fled to South Africa. This has been Econ with me, your host, Yevo Lubuto Chulu. Go out and inform. Go out and teach. And go out and be the light. YLC. Right.
Ajanti Mose, 